This is Brian Reisman. Welcome to Side Jams, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. I'd like to thank Pantheon sponsors AKG for their support of this podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe or follow to keep up with future episodes. And we've got many more on the way with Carla Harvey from Butcher Babies, Adrian Smith from Iron Maiden, and Diamante. Hi, this is Lily Hayden, and you're listening to Side Jams with Brian Reisman. After breaking through with Jane's addiction in the late 1980s, Perry Farrell quickly became an alt-rock icon with that band and Porno for Pyros, and of course, being the co-founder of the pioneering music festival Lollapalooza 30 years ago. He recently released his solo box set, The Glitz, The Glamour, that collects his music before and after those two groups and spans many different musical projects and styles. There's the post-punk sounds of Psycom, which I'm particularly favorable towards, that have been hard to find since the group's 1985 EP release. The box also includes his 2001 solo effort, Song Yet To Be Sung, Satellite Party's 2007 release, Ultra Payloaded, 2019's Kind Heaven album, and various remixes and bonus tracks. The music spans everything from chamber pop to modern rock to eastern-flavored drum and bass, and the colorful artwork looks great in the vinyl format. It's certainly a treat for fans of the pioneering rocker. When he has time away from music, Perry has a wide variety of interests. For episode 42 of Side Jams, we spoke about his passion for snowboarding, exploring religion and mysticism, his newfound love for gardening, and his recent fascination with artificial intelligence. It's an eclectic mix of topics for sure, and we dove into some interesting philosophical points about each one. He also gave me a quick acapella preview of a mariachi version of the Jane's Addiction song Stop that he's been recording. This was my first time speaking with Perry, and it's easy to see that he enjoys whatever new adventure he embarks upon. Is that a Grateful Deadish poster I see in the background? Uh, that is Lollapalooza. Oh, no, that one. Yeah, that's Jimi Hendrix from, like, I don't know when, but this was, uh, was it Stanley Mouse who did the artwork? Oh, Rick Griffin. Rick Griffin did all that psychedelic San Francisco work. Yeah. So he did many posters for the dead as well. But that's Jimi Hendrix Experience, Bill Graham Presents, San Francisco. Nice. Yeah. Albert King opening up. Well, thanks for taking the time to chat. I appreciate it. Good to meet you, man. You know, I, I'm going through this whole box set. And it's like, you know, what's cool about it is I hear so many different things. I'm like, how did I miss the whole post-punk early goth Perry, and then you've got Eastern Tinge drum and bass. We've got chamber pop and got <laughs> the star crawlers, a throwback to your punk days. So it's like, what's great is that if somebody didn't really know you, they'd go with me like, wow, who are these people? As opposed to this one guy, like, who's this guy singing with all these bands? My wife says that she finds it very, so interesting how I can change my voice. Like I have a, such a command of my voice that I can put it in anywhere. For years, I was doing female backup vocals for myself, you know, until really? we got married. Yeah. Like the early Jane stuff, there's like five part stacks of harmony. Okay. Including like female background singers. But I was doing those myself. And then uh, now I have Etsy doing it. So I have a real female back in me. It sounds better. That's cool. You know, you have to do what you have to do. I remember was what I was interviewing Aldo Nova many years ago about his first album. And he basically recorded almost all of it himself. And the way, the way they mixed it made it sound like there were two guitar players at one point during the solo section. It's like, no, it's just one guitarist. Just, just split the audio. 
Yeah, we're so lucky today that we've got overdub. We can overdub. Um, I believe it was Les Paul, believe it or not, yep. who created the concept of, and you know, he he played with his wife as well. Yes, he did. Yeah. So they began with, I think, four channels. And then they, you know, he figured it out. Like, hey, you know what? We can overdub this, you know, and then the rest is history. All the groups started to do it. And eventually you had Sgt. Peppers and then you had Pink Floyd. And you had eight tracks. Then you had eight <laughs> tracks. And now we're up to over a hundred tracks at times. The last album I did, which was uh, Kind Heaven with Tony Visconti, we had at times 150 tracks. Wow. And it's interesting because Tony comes from a background where there were less tracks at the time and you really had to work with the elements you had. It's like, so that was been interesting for him also. It was like, I almost thought he wanted to cop my, uh, my engineer. <laughs> Seriously. Cause, cause we're d dealing with a lot of electronics. So the reason it's so many tracks just for people that are, um, I don't want to say novices, but but interested, but not professionals at uh, mixing. So if you have a 70-piece orchestra yeah. at uh, Abbey Road, which we have had on um, Satellite Party, Harry Gregson Williams led a 70-piece orchestra, I believe it was 70-piece, in Abbey Road. So you're starting with, with 70 well, no, no. Not everybody gets a microphone. Um, I'm not exactly sure how many mics. They hang a lot. In classical, they hang a lot of microphones. He did all the Narnia soundtracks and things like yeah. that. So he's got the experience yeah. with a big sound, symphonic yeah. sound. So you start with that, and then you've got a band, and then you've got the vocals, which, you know, we can stack. Sometimes I will stack um, no less than than five seven, 10, you know, going to the chorus. And then you've got, you know, men, men, and then women. So last night I recorded four vocal stacks. But anyway, so if you're counting 70 piece orchestra, choir, band, yeah, and then electronics. Electronics could be like glitchy sounds, tweaky yeah. sounds, sub sounds. So that's why there's so many tracks going nowadays well you know especially you know with uh a song yet to be sung there's a lot of drum and bass yeah you like drum and bass i i play drums for a little i'm, I'm gonna oh, call do? myself a recreational drummer so I, i'm waiting for like someone to do like an organic rock show with drum and bass like okay take mountain song i'm working on it we, we, yeah. we get mountain song with drum and bass I can do it. <laughs> i'll try it i'll try it i'll write it down i'm serious I, I'm just doing. I'm just doing now um, a new version of "Stop," mm -hmm. mariachi. Really? Yeah. So I had a mariachi orchestra come in, record with the Kind Heaven Orchestra, and I'm almost finished with it. Gosh, I'd love to give it to you know let you listen to it. But basically, it's like boom, 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 boom. You say the complaint, boom, for party. That was a preview right there. That was the acapella mariachi version. Yeah, but it was like you'll say the complaint. Like that's how I'm singing it. It's really cool. I dig it. 
So outside of music, what passions do you have? What, what makes you happy? What brings you joy in your life? Well, I, you know, as you know, I like to study mi- mysticism. I like reading and I like studying mysticism specifically. Yes. Um, and also gardening. I like uh, the, the idea of homesteading, having like a, a garden, rooftop gardening. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to grow a nice marijuana plant around here. There you go. I also love mountain biking, but I just purchased these mountain bikes that are electric. Really? Power up the hills. Went on a nice bike ride yesterday with Etty. We both have mountain bikes, but electric. So it was super windy and coming back. One way was tailwinds. And she's going like, oh, I get it now. The pilots, when they talk about the tailwinds, it was so easy coming, th- yeah, yeah, yeah. coming down there. We went down to Venice, rode our bikes to Venice and then back. And she was like, oh, man. It's like, I've got a parachute on. I said, zip your jacket up. Because she had her jacket open and she was going like, oh, this is really hard. It was so windy here. You can see caps coming down. There's a north cold front that was coming down here. But on the coast, you know, I can tell exactly where the weather originates because we live right by the ocean. Also, I enjoy snowboarding, surfing. We're going snowboarding this weekend. Well, she skis. I was going to ski. I, I went and actually took a, a dry, when I say dry ski lesson, it was yeah, yeah. on one of those conveyor belts. But I've been snowboarding for so many years since they invented snowboards. I'm going to stick with snowboarding, but I don't see any 62-year-old dude snowboarding. When I'm, there, <laughs> you know? so I'm wondering what's the deal. Am I... Am I uh, Arrested development, you mean? Going the wrong, am I going the wrong direction? Well, you know, it's interesting. I think about that sometimes. I think it's a question of what shape you're in and how careful you are. You yeah, know, you always, exactly. I, always remember, I always remember the Sonny Bono skiing accident, you know, and he wasn't. Is that he how was, he died? It was. I think it was on the slopes, actually. Yeah, well, I can guarantee you he was kind of drunk or chasing a football. Or chasing a football. Yeah, because one of the Kennedys, one time I was on a trip, one of the Kennedys died on the mountain that day. And what I heard is like, you know, they would have races or throw a ball to each other. And I think that's what, what happened. They're good skiers, but they're just um, not being, they got out of control, but you're right. So I love getting air as a snowboarder. So you like that rush. I like that rush and I'm good at it. So I was going to try skiing, but I only have four days. I don't want to sit there and be bad on skis. I want to catch some air because this is probably the only time this year I'll get to go. It's all spring. Since you are a 62-year-old mountain biker and snowboarder, what are your tips for people who are your age who haven't been doing that stuff and haven't been as active as you? Like, what would, How would you recommend they approach stuff like that? Start stretching. Start stretching and start doing... Uh, cardiovascular bike riding Mm -hmm. and then um, doing uh, calisthenics, which is your own weight, push-ups, sit-ups. Yeah. If I'm not riding my bike doing calisthenics, I do Pilates. I've got a great Pilates machine that really belonged to Etty. So Etty is a professional ballerina or was now she's in the kind heaven orchestra, but, um, 
she was always into Pilates since I've known her. 1997 was when we met. She was real smart to hook me up. She would always leave her Pilates machine in my house and then she'd go away. Oh, interesting. But there was always something there in the harbor. I would call her up, Etty, do you want your Pilates machine back? Oh, yeah, um, you know, I'll come and get it. You know, the next we hook up. Uh, that was the bait. Yeah, I get you into it. Yeah, you know, it's funny. It's like, I think I was doing somebody put up a meme recently about the idea of encouragements. And I thought it was interesting how they're talking about, like, you know, if you have a kid that say doesn't like to come out, isn't very social, instead of when they finally do come out going, well, finally, you came out, you know, just being like encouraging them to come out, right? you know, and just be social with people. And it feels like we live in a, such a fast paced world now that people are trying to cut to the chase a little too quickly. It's like we, my girlfriend got a cat last year, which has helped keep her sane through the pandemic other than me because we live separately. And, you know, with, with cats, you just have to let them come to you. Oh, yeah. Like I get, I get huggy sometimes. The cat's like, Ugh. but then the cat will surprise you the other day and let her sit in her lap for five minutes. That had never happened before. Yeah. And it's the patience to get there, to build up to those moments in life. We have to learn patience in this time, in this time, in this era, because we screwed the planet up. We screwed the planet up 10 to, 10 to 20 years. We went past yeah. with capitalism and industrialization. We went past a good 10 to 20 years that our generation, your generation, we're going to have to clean up this mess. We really do. So yeah, it's not going to happen overnight, but we better get started, get radical get revolutionary, but also get ready to be patient. I was thinking about age too. Cause like, like did you see that video of Tony Basil? who's doing all these great dance. He's just like in her seventies. You're like, Holy yeah. God. It's like, I'm, I feel lazy now. I'm so much younger. I'm like, I gotta, and I think Dick Van Dyke was, I think it was Dick Van Dyke who was asking his secret to getting older and being healthy and active. He's like stretch every day. Yeah. Like, it's a simple thing. And I've noticed during the yeah. pandemic when I'm not doing that, my body feels you're like, Oh, you feel like a slug. Oh, man, you have time now. You might never have this much time on your hands. So learn how to stretch, learn how to be patient. That's one thing that you can do that you can, the, the, the time that we have is a benefit. So now how much has gardening taught you about patience and about the environment? Oh, yeah, no, I've got this. Um, I was really happy, fortunate. I found this app that you take a picture of the, the plant uh-huh. and then it, it will tell you how to care for it. <laughs> really? Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gardening for dummies. Like you cannot go wrong if you do this. Yeah, but it's no, but you could look at it like gardening for early adapters because that's a good one. I don't I know like anybody that. who actually gardened using um, uh, technology, but here's a case where technology will really benefit it. You know what I want to talk about? Last night I was listening to a bunch of songs that were created by artificial intelligence. Artificial really? intelligence is going to be the biggest conversation in the next, ooh, it's coming up, man, because it's taking over a lot of jobs. Mm-hmm. It's also, you know, Ray Kurzweil, have you ever read Ray Kurzweil or know about yeah, his- the keyboard pioneer, yeah. Yeah, his ideas for- I had some friends who worked for that company a while wow. ago, back in the 90s. Wow. His idea, his concept is, is called singularity. He believes that eventually machines will take over and do everything for man. And you, you hear that and you go, oh, I hope not. That's freaky. But they're already driving our cars. 
like these guys that um, long haulers that that uh, drive, let's say, oranges across the country. Yeah, yeah. They're being replaced by uh, robotic cars, artificial intelligence, and they're starting to write music. So they're feeding. They're using Google supercomputers and they're feeding Frank Sinatra into it, Elvis into it, the Beatles into it. Like there's a whole long list of artists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're asking the, the they're asking the supercomputer, you write a song now using everything, all the information you heard. So you hear I, the Frank Sinatra song will go, Hey, baby, and a Christmas tree. And it's like it spazzes out. It's it's trying to recreate what it just heard. And it's hilarious, but startling and a little scary to know. Um, my te my uh, engineer pal, Dustin, was showing me all this and also telling me that what's amazing about artificial intelligence is what you do is you essentially feed the computer and then you ask the computer to research, learn, and then start to give you a faster way, an easier way to do it, a more perfect way to do it. And eventually they, he says that, Oh yeah. And they're doing it and, and it ha it's happening faster and faster that they perfect anything a human being can do. But it's not the human being though. Now, this is what I said. My remark back was they're never going to replace a human being because the word imperfect or perfect, I put that right up. Uh, the heading is uh, human beings are not perfect and it's groovy. It's awesome. Because we like to hear the, these little imperfections like Joy Division, yeah, Bob Dylan, uh, Lou Reed, Iggy. They were not perfect singers. Why are we drawn to them? Because the imperfections are also unique, make people unique. And, and if we were born perfect, the system of life would not work. As an example, yeah. if you were born perfect, then you'd have nothing, nothing to strive for. Hence, when you got better at something, you wouldn't find the joy in getting better at it. Yeah. So, so really what we're talking about is the human spirit is this wild, it's intelligent, it is, it is awake and aware, but it is refining. It is like what they're doing to computers. And I personally prefer to listen to a man or a woman sing than a computer. Like I don't dig those rappers yeah, yeah. where they twist everything and it's just all a machine. Auto tune, yeah, yeah. I, I can't, I can't get, I want to hear a sadness of a human being or the story of, or how it affected that person to make that song and sing about it. I prefer to hear if it's uh, so be it. So it's a little flat. So the guy's fucked up on dope or, or he's drunk and he's singing about something. Yeah. I hear that too. And I'm like, Ooh, that's interesting. He sounds like it really <laughs> hurt him or, you know, he was really affected by it. You know, you talk about being interested in mysticism. Uh -huh. That's been at least a couple decades now. 
right? I mean, yeah. when did it first happen for you? And then how can you relate? We were just talking about artificial intelligence and humanity. How can you relate what you've learned through that, yeah. the Kabbalah and all these other studies? How does that relate to all of this? I, um, I began to be interested in mysticism and magic in Psycom. I was hanging out with the underground of Los Angeles and mm-hmm. some of these guys went real deep. You know, we loved knowing about people like Jacopetti and uh, sadomasochism. Like we were just interested in trippy, dark, avant-garde, out there shit, you know? That included, uh, I hate to say it, but black magic. Mm-hmm. And white magic, you know, I was just interested in, I, I read comparative religion. I read, you know, uh, the Bhagavad Gita. I read the Book of Mormon. I read the, um, the New Testament, you know, let's go. I wanted to know about everybody's religion. And sure. that included, so I, I got interested in magic. And then I found that a lot of magic derived from like King Solomon's clavicles and Rosicrucians, a lot of the magic comes out of uh, mystical Judaism. Mm. So when I saw that, I was like, whoa. And that led me to studying mysticism and Kabbalah from there. And it's powerful. How is Kabbalah different? Because we've heard about it. I know that you were into it. Madonna, I think, was sort of into it at a certain point. Yeah. What do people, what, what stereotypes do you think people have of that? And what do you find to be really true about it? The thing that's inspired you? Well, I think that the whole world now, uh, from, you know, what the mystics say, that um, now the whole world should or could learn about it. And we should teach it if we can talk about it some, because you knowing the principles of it, what it will do to you is it will open your eyes to the fact that, God, angels, angelology, um, demonology, there's, there's forces. There's eyes that see and there's ears that hear. Mm. Just start there. You start there? Yeah. Have you found any sort of through line with all the religions that you studied? Is there something, any basic yeah. principle or principles that you found? So as an, as an example, I studied uh, about the angel Gabriel. I studied all the angels, but then uh, specifically Gabriel. And I come to find that Gabriel, who was in there with Raphael, Michael, Gabriel, Raphael, there's, there's one more that are the hierarchy, hierarchy right. of angels, four of them. Um, although he went and spoke to the Jewish people, warned them, uh, he gave prophecies to them about yeah, the temple would be destroyed, but he was there also to help them, but also to warn them. And then later, many years later, he returned and gave Mohammed the first, I think it's nine chapters of the Quran. That's mm. called the clot. Okay. The clot was, he took, he took direct dictation, Mohammed did. He took direct dictation from the angel Gabriel, Gavril. So you know that it opens up your thinking to like, what was this angel's purpose? And why would he talk to Muhammad and talk to um, Solomon or Isaiah? Yeah. What's going on there? 
that's something that has kept me on a, a journey, a quest to try to understand more about what's happening in the realms of angels and above and below. I was watching a video with my mom last night on YouTube about Toledo, Spain, which we'd been to, you know, and it's like a city where you had... Toledo! Oh, that's most of Judaism, Christianity, and, and, and yes. Islam. All of them were mixed together, and like a temple yes. was built on top of a mosque and top of a cathedral. Yeah, and they all got along, and that's where, you know, music would thrive, mathematics, science, uh, um, you know, engineering, architecture is what I wanted to say. Everybody was thriving and sharing in Toledo around the 14th century. Yes. Right? It's interesting. You know, we've had those moments. That was a moment. It's something we could learn from, I think, today. I feel like we need to have that kind of a dialogue. Yeah, renaissance, renaissance about, about sharing, sharing our ideas, sharing our history. It's, it's time now to do it. Let's get radical. And like, this is, this is my story. Toledo, yeah, man. I got to go back. My mom loved it, and I, I need to get back. Oh, your mom was hanging out there? I took my mom to Spain like five and a half years ago. So we, she's, she, she grew up in Cuba, but she has some Spanish answer. And she's, she's, I'm half quarter Syrian. Wow. She, I'm Syrian, Spanish, French on her side, and she grew up in Cuba. Wow. Yeah. What an interesting combination. <laughs> Anything going to be coming in uh, the garden? Anything we should look forward to? We put, post any Instagram photos of your garden? Will we see anything coming up? Not yet. Yeah. I have a very small garden. But um, I'm getting a, a pickup truck. That's interesting. So because my my sports car, I had a this beautiful um, hybrid sports car that got totaled. Uh, so now I'm I'm giving it back. But I I'm gonna just get a flatbed and start going to you know the pottery stores and the garden the gardening nurseries. It's it's all getting it's all underway. But it's newly underway. It's not yet ready to show the public. <laughs> Environmentally friendly pickup truck. Is that, do they have those yet? That's a good point. I've been wondering. Might not. If they don't, I'm not going to get. I'm not going to get a gas guzzler. I'm just not going to do it. Excellent. Well, yeah, yeah. the closest thing to a flatbed. It might be. I had. I know of hybrids that are like just bigger cars. But my my sports car. It was a four door because we were a family, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> people had no business being behind me when I was driving. Cool. Well, thank you. Thank you for chatting. I really appreciate it. It was fun. Yeah. Nice, nice chat, Brian. I have to dig deeper. I mean, there's so, it's just so much music and some stuff that I knew. And then it's like, I, being a, a closet goth, I, I naturally was like, oh, you know, because I, I got Next there later. Uh, speak, I want you to, do you have one item of clothing or something that you could put on that? That tells me that you were, in fact, a goth. Good <laughs> question, because I never, I never dressed a... Well, you know what? I did go to a lot of shows. I'll find something. Actually, I have a photo of myself with blue nails. I have a photo with blue nails. Okay, that'll My friend be. did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brian. Have fun. Speak again. Nice to meet you. Catch you later. Thank you. That wraps up this latest Side Jams. Please join me next time when I'll be speaking with John Medeski collaborator, Jeff Firewalker-Schmidt. The tunes used in this episode are from Fox and the Law, and I licensed them through AudioSocket. Thanks very much for listening.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 